This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. So what if the Cincinnati Bengals or the Miami Dolphins or the Atlanta Falcons add a wide receiver? What would that do for the quarterbacks of those teams? What would that do for the wide receivers and tight ends on those teams? We'll look at some historical trends and give the fantasy analysis for you right now on Fantasy Football Today. Welcome to the show. It is Tuesday, April 27th. We are two days away from the NFL draft. We got some news from around the NFL and we got Dave Richard and Heath Cummings here. What's up, Dave? Dave, let me ask you something. Mm. Uh, give me the most, in your opinion, the most surprising thing that's going to happen in the top 10 in the NFL draft. No defensive players taken. That would be... I don't know. When you, and when you look at mock drafts, you'd probably say, oh, that's not really that surprising because everybody's looking at the mock drafts. But think about the history of the NFL draft. When's the last time the first 10 picks of the draft were all offensive players? I think, didn't Ryan Wilson just say this was like 1952 or something? No. What, what I didn't it? hear Ryan Wilson say anything. Ben, about it. were you there? You didn't. He was on the podcast, Dave. I, I haven't listened to it yet. <laughs> it was a long time ago. It was, I'll a, check. it was like an hour into the show or something. Maybe that's not even what. He, uh, yeah, no. It, what, do you know the answer, Dave? When was the last time? No, no I don't have a clue. I just okay. think it's. It would be very surprising if it happened. Hit up Google here, Heath. Tell me your thoughts on the 2022 draft class. Well, I think that um, the quarterback out of North Carolina is likely my number one prospect. He's really um, good. I, he's very Sam Howell. Just yeah. uh-huh. in 2019, he's had a Division One A record with 38 touchdown passes, most ever for a freshman. Okay, I'm seeing here there has never been, not in the common era, 1967, has there been an NFL draft with no no uh, defensive players in the top 10. Let me see if I can find a little bit more on that. Um, somebody just text Ryan. He probably knows. Okay. Uh, yes, we got a question. Might as well address this right off the bat. We got a question. It's a good question for you people in Dynasty if you're trading your future picks or trading for future picks. Uh, is the 2022 class going to be better or worse than the 2021 class? That's hard to say, but well, I'm thinking I, no. I, I think it's going to be worse. For sure. Right now, this week, it's going to be worse than the 2021 class. Um, we get like a month into the season, it's probably going to be better than the 2021 class because we'll be excited about them and we will have seen some of the 2021 players fail. Um, but my rule would be right now, I am very happy to use 2022 picks, and this applies to most years, to go get the guys I feel certain about in this class, and that gets us to the top six. Um, if you're talking about outside in, in, in super flex, it gets a little deeper in rookie only drafts. If you're talking about the back half of the first or the second round, I'm very happy to move those picks for 2022 picks. Adam, I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive on Sunday, much less next year's well draft. So I can't guarantee who <laughs> will be good in the 2022 draft. What a weird um, quote that was. That was Kyle Shanahan. Talking yeah. about what was that? Talking about Jimmy Garoppolo being <laughs> Garoppolo on the team next year, being yeah, uh, on the roster in 2021. Uh, I, a year ago, no one was talking about Zach Wilson. Very few people were talking about Kyle Pitts. Um, Jalen Waddle wasn't quite as big of a name. There's a Trey Lance wasn't really on the radar. Um, we were all starting to settle into a COVID pandemic. A lot can change in a year. There, I don't think there's a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, for example who has been a stud for multiple years on the college level, who's like a surefire top three pick in the 2022 draft. I don't think Howell is there yet. I don't know if Howell will be there, but I I don't know if there's really a player out there that we can look at and say, yep, for sure. Superstar stud, start building up a stockpile of 2022 fantasy picks to go get him. I have a question for you. Okay, so I'm looking at the 1953 NFL draft and position. Good. Okay. The this, po- is good. this is going to be good with, with the NFL draft in 48 hours. We're looking at a draft from in, 60 in fairness, years ago. The, the in number- fairness to my, to my guy, Sam Howell, I mean, he was at 10.3 yards per attempt last year, a year after setting a Division One A rookie 
or freshman record for touchdown passes. I think he does have multiple years of elite production in college. I think he's he's the guy. Uh, but do, he doesn't have the same, uh, you know, name recognition as Trevor Lawrence did. True. I mean, this is literally the first time we've talked about Sam Howell on a podcast ever. Oh yeah, well he's not winning. We were talking about Trevor Lawrence when we were talking about Burrow last year. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was an elite, one of the best recruits in a long time. Sam Howell's not Trevor Lawrence. Um, yeah, That's all right. Point. I, okay, I don't think we have to talk about this anymore. But anyway, they list the player, the positions for each player, and the first Let's get back pick nineteen fifty two was please. Harry Babcock, and his position is E. E. End. Oh, end. end. Okay. Then we have halfback, quarterback, fullback, quarterback. How about a B? B for Bobby Marlowe. That his position is just the letter B. Could be a backer. Could be a no. I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think backer is probably right. He's listed yeah. as a running back, so that would make sense. But ha- there's a halfback. Go the two halfbacks. All right. Anyway, um, so don't forget to join our NFL draft uh, Facebook contest here. Uh, just look for fantasy football today on Facebook, or click the link in the episode description. Remember, wh- whoever's closest to the exact order, you don't have to give the teams. Just tell me the names as they go one through ten. Uh, we have a post there. We have a lot of comments. If you edit your comment, you're disqualified. Do not edit your comment. Don't cheat. Disqualified if you edit your comment. Dave, who's the veteran NFL player? This is what we're talking about today. The veteran NFL player with the most to gain in the NFL draft, you know, from the NFL draft. Bobby Marlowe. <laughs> the B, Bobby Marlowe. B, Bobby Marlowe. He might change to an A if he, you know, improves his technique. Uh, I, I think it's Julio Jones now with this news that he might get traded. I think there's there isn't anybody else out there with as much to to gain or lose. There's a lot of intrigue about him now and and where he could be as a fantasy receiver, uh, depending on where he is. But I want to know June specifically 1st. who's going to gain. You think that he's got the most gain or lose? No, potential. I don't necessarily think he's got the most to gain. Right. So who um, does? I, I think you'd probably be looking at one of the second-year quarterbacks, Burrow or Herbert. If they get the type of help that they could really use on offense to have superior firepower, then we're talking about, in the case of Herbert, could he get if he gets Jalen Waddle, does he end up being a potential top-five fantasy quarterback? Now, you, we can say that he can potentially get there. Would you draft him as that? Probably not. Burrow is, is, a, is kind of a top-ten quarterback right now. If he gets Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts, then do do you put him right behind Justin Herbert and ahead of guys like uh, Russell Wilson, Jalen Hurts, and those types of guys, guys that have all kinds of upside, and you kind of bet on that upside with with Burrow, even if his offensive line isn't great because he's going to have just this awesome receiving core. Okay, and for the Chargers, they have the 13th overall pick. They have an outside chance of getting one of those top three wide receivers you see him sometimes mocked at 11 or 12, so 13. Not not too far from there. Heath, how about you? Who's the veteran with the most to gain? Well, I mean, if we're talking relative to what we expect right now, I think it has to be Mike Davis. Like, there's a chance that Mike Davis could be the feature back in an Arthur Smith offense. Um, it would be fantastic for him if the Falcons did not draft a running back. It sure would. Okay, and the Falcons, just going to... Look at everybody's picks. They have the fir- they have the fourth pick. We know that they also have the thirty fifth pick and the sixty eighth pick. And this doesn't always matter because, of course, teams can trade up or trade back or whatever. But fourth pick not going running back. Thirty fifth pick maybe they are going running back there. It would not be uh, it would not be well. They, they have been shopping or listening. Like they could very easily trade the fourth pick and then take a running back at fifteen. Yep. Or eleven or wherever they end up. Okay, so. It, did you say Tua, by the way, Dave? Because you said Burrow and Herbert, but Tua would have to be in that. Tua could too, also right? be in that conversation, but I have a hard time believing that even if they got Chase or Pitts, that Tua, Tua would be draftable. He wouldn't be a top 12 fantasy quarterback. I think for him to get into the top 12, they'd have to go get two of them. <laughs> well, they got yeah. Will Fuller, and, uh, you know, that's one of them. Okay, veteran. He would, he would probably be right behind Trevor Lawrence on a list of quarterbacks that you you, you kind of want to have just in case they pop early in the season. So you take them in round 10 plus. Okay, veteran with the most to lose. Heath, you can kick this off. Most to lose. James Robinson. 
Like if Jacksonville uses one of their a pick in the first three rounds to go get a running back, that will signal that uh, what he was last year is no more. By the same token, like if they don't, we need to get him back up into the top eight of our running back rankings. They have so many picks. They have four top 45 picks. One, 25, 33, 45, and then 65. Five picks in the top 65 for Jacksonville. James Robinson, good, good pick there. Dave, veteran with the most to lose. So let's talk about Julio now, because if he stays in Atlanta and they draft Pitts, that's it's a death knell on him ever getting double-digit touchdowns again, and it's probably going to hurt his target volume with Ridley and Pitts there. Uh, and I am a believer in Pitts. I think he can be an impact rookie this year, especially in a place like Atlanta, which would also at some point, I would think, address their run game, uh, just maybe not with one of their first two picks. And then if he gets traded, what if he goes to a team like Washington? or San Francisco, or the Jets, where it's not going to be, maybe there's still going to be good target volume, but quality of target could be up in the air. Um, There's going to be in Washington, for example, and certainly San Francisco, uh, a receiver on the other side or a tight end on the other side that's going to take work away from him. Um, I, I would be a little worried about him if he goes to Arizona. I think that would be fun for the Cardinals, and I think the Cardinals are a team that's trying to go all in right now. And and to have him and Hopkins on the same team would be fun, but what would the target volume be for him and for Hopkins? That would bring both of them down a little bit. So I think he's got a lot to lose. Uh, maybe the best thing for him would be for him to stay in Atlanta, for the Falcons to trade down, and for the Falcons to bulk up their defense, which is probably what a lot of Falcons fans would like to see their team actually do. Julio Jones was really sensational last year. Um, he left a couple of games early, but when he was healthy, I think he averages maybe close to, if not the most yards per game. Um, He was on pace for 1,600 yards. So I think he's had more than that in a season. But he was on pace for 1,600 yards in the games he did not leave early. That was seven games. Um, That's pretty incredible. 103 catches, 1,600 yards. He is one of the harder guys to do that comparison with because looking back at past years, most of those years he left games early too. That's mm-hmm. that's true. That's true. But just just saying, uh, you might have forgotten how good Julio Jones was. But he was terrific last year. Um, and he did that, by the way, in the 1,600 yards, he was on pace for only 143 targets, I think, something like that. So it wasn't like a 170-target season. Um, you know, you said something really interesting, Dave, that the target share would go down. And this is the big question we're going to have to answer for, I think, four players. You know, if if you see a wide receiver go 25th overall or something like that, I'm not sure people are going to freak out about it uh, in terms of what it's going to do to the other receivers on the team. But... With the three big receivers, or the big three receivers and Kyle Pitts, I do think, oh, no, what's going to happen to the veterans, to the incumbents? Uh, So what's your overall take on that? Are they really going to have a big impact? I have some historical perspective the last seven years, basically since that 2014 draft, which was Watkins, Evans, Beckham, Kelvin, Benjamin, I believe Brandon Cooks in the first round. Um, but yeah, how much of an impact are these rookies going to have, Dave? I'll let you have the first word here on the Julio Jones, the, let's say Will Fuller, Kenny Galladay, um, TJ Hawkinson, anyone who's, who could see their team take a great pass catcher in the first round, T Higgins as well. Yeah. T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, I was going to bring up. I, I think the best case scenario for these rookie receivers is around a hundred targets. Although that number should go up a little bit. They're playing 17 games this year, not 16. So call it 110 targets. Um, We saw that from a couple of rookie receivers last year, I believe. And they're very talented guys at the top of the receiver list. Chase Waddle-Smith, those guys can certainly command that type of target share right away. I'm not sure if Pitts can quite get that many targets, but the case could be made that if he's in, if he goes to Atlanta and the Falcons trade Julio Jones, yeah, I think he can get there. I think that in that offense where they like to use, um, where they adapt to the players that they have and the skill sets that they have, and here's a player with a rare skill set, yeah, I think Matt Ryan can can find 110 plays to throw to Kyle Pitts, and I think the production can follow there as a rookie. Um, he's just that much of a difference maker that I believe that that could happen. And I know it sounds crazy because it's a tight end, and tight end rookies they're never supposed to be great. But I, I think that he's he's kind of an anomaly to that. Those are the only receivers. Um, but I, I wouldn't say, all right, these guys are in line for 
you know, 1200 yards and 10 touchdowns there. I don't think that I don't think anybody necessarily is going to get to a spot where they can replicate what Justin Jefferson did last year. I, I was looking at that last year and like Jefferson was the guy who obviously had him. Like he hurt Adam Thielen's targets and Thielen scored once every five targets. So it didn't matter, but <laughs> yeah. that was a major impact. CD lamb had an impact on Michael Gallup. I mean, he, he took targets away from Gallup. I would say like everybody was hurt so often it's hard to tell, but I think you could say Brandon, I, you probably had an impact on Debo Samuel when they were on the field. The other guys in the first round, like the first, we don't know about Judy because Cortland Sutton got hurt. So it didn't end up really mattering, but Judy saw, quarterback. Judy saw a ton of targets. Um, Ruggs and Rager were irrelevant. Um, I, I think there could be a couple. I just don't know. Like last year it was the fifth and sixth wide receivers taken that probably had the, or the third and fifth that had the biggest impact. Third being Lamb. Third was Lamb, fifth was Jefferson, and sixth was Ayuk. They, they probably had the biggest impacts, and the first, second, and fourth really, really didn't. Yeah, and and I, I think, you know, Claypool also finished as a top 20 wide receiver, and because they threw the ball so much, I don't think he really had a big impact on Juju. Uh or Deontay Johnson, and Higgins was really good, but he actually got out-targeted by A.J. Green when Joe Burrow was healthy. He just he yep. outperformed him, but that, but that was another team that threw the ball so much, you know, so that that was kind of, uh, that kind of skewed things. Like, yeah, Higgins had a big role, Claypool had a big role, but those two teams were throwing the ball so much. Joe Burrow was throwing 40 times per game, and the Steelers, I think they led, led the NFL in pass attempts, or second maybe, but... Um, I don't know. I went back. I looked at the last seven drafts and the the just the wide receivers that were drafted in the first round. I think my general, well, I know my general takeaway is that great receivers are not really impacted here by rookies, even if the rookies are good. Now, a guy like Michael Gallup and Debo Samuel, they might be. Is Adam Thielen a great receiver? Yeah, he's he was. He got away with one though. One of the yeah no he was the one of the exceptions, but also Jefferson had the best year that any of these wide receivers have had. But yeah no in the last in the last uh, seven games they played together, you saw that really change. Jefferson had sixty eight targets and Thielen only had fifty. So it was really more like the second half of the season the targets really started shifting to Jefferson. But yeah. Um, you know, like Sammy Watkins, if he impacted anybody as a rookie, it was Scott Chandler. For Odell Beckham, it, it wasn't. It didn't really apply. Like Hakeem Nix had a much worse season, but Hakeem Nix was at the end of his career and wasn't very good at that point. Um, Greg Olson, okay. Kelvin Benjamin comes in, gets 146 targets as a rookie. And Greg Olson had a better year than he had the previous year. But Steve Smith was on the team the previous year, and Steve Smith wasn't on the team. And Benjamin. So there were so many circumstances where it was hard to really draw conclusions. But here's one thing I did notice. Teams that drafted rookie wide receivers in the first round, there have been 28 in the last seven years. 18 of them threw more that year when they drafted a wide receiver. And 13 of them threw at least 40 times more. So I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, did the Niners throw more because they drafted Ayuk? No, they threw more because their defense wasn't as good. Did the Cowboys throw more because they drafted Lamb? Maybe, but also their defense was horrible. So I don't know if it's, you know, if it's really a connection, but I did think that was interesting. 18 of 28 threw more than they did the previous year when they drafted a rookie in the first round, a wide receiver in the first round. And uh, 13 of 28 threw at least 40 more passes. What do you, what do you guys think about that? Makes sense. The majority use their new playmaker in their offense. In theory, it's the it's it's the idea of okay, we're going to improve our passing game by drafting this wide receiver, and then now we can that that almost enables the thinking to say we can throw more. It's okay to go ahead and just throw more often. And I wonder if it's it's similar for teams that draft a running back. Go back and look at the last seven years of teams that draft a running back. Do they throw less and run more because they feel like they have to because they added this? Young running back? Uh, yeah, I know it's worth looking at. But I do think that's going to be a big question that people have if the Falcons take Pitts, or let's not rule out the Falcons taking Jamar Chase or you know whoever their favorite wide receiver is. If the Bengals take a wide receiver, if the Dolphins take a wide receiver, if the Giants take a wide receiver, um, what is that going to do to these established veterans and how much are you going to really dock them? I mean, let's, let's just take it case by case real quick. If the Falcons take Kyle Pitts, 
are you going to move Calvin Ridley or Julio Jones down? Is Jones still on the team? Yes. He's the one I'm going to move down. I won't move either down because if they take Kyle Pitts in the first round, then I'm going to have to completely change my projected pass attempts for them. Right. It's again, they, <laughs> that, that goes back to the, what I just said, right about the 10 mm-hmm. tendencies. Um, if the, oh, and by the way, the teams that I, I think I found that the teams that threw more were typically the ones that drafted the wide receivers that panned out. Okay. There was a stretch where we had the first round wide receiver. Almost everyone sucked. Corey Coleman and Corey Davis was bad as a rookie, and and John Ross, you know, and Mike Williams was was I think he was injured, but um, you know there were a lot of really bad first round picks for a while there. So anyway, uh, Bengals take Jamar Chase. What are you doing to Boyd and Higgins? Slight, I, yeah, slight. Did you downgrade. say slight, slight downgrade, slight downgrade. I don't okay. think I'm going to be real interested in Boyd in half or non PPR. And I'll be disappointed for Higgins. I'm not going to feel good about starting him most weeks, so he'll probably be in that number three range. I might even put Boyd ahead of Higgins in full PPR. Okay. But I, I would believe that Jamar Chase would be the best receiver on Cincinnati. Yeah, I probably wouldn't go that far. How about um, the Dolphins at six? They take Devontae Smith. He would be the only Devontae I'd be drafting. <laughs> what about with Fuller? What about Adams? Uh, yeah. Will Fuller. <laughs> and Mike Asicki, I think, would potentially really get hit. I, that's the thing. Like, how much does Mike Gasicki really have to lose? Well, I look at the splits for Gasicki each of the last two years, and his production went way up after Preston Williams got hurt. So, and they already added Will Fuller. Yeah. So, so like, I, what are you he, expecting from Mike Gasicki? Okay, but, uh, then we're on the same page. So, not nothing, basically, not much. You're hoping that he can have a couple of games with 70 yards and a couple of games with a touchdown, and maybe you know, maybe you stream him one of those weeks. Games. Right. Yeah. He's he's a late round <laughs> tight end. Um, I I think I would still take Fuller ahead of Smith. Okay, and then it, it, I don't think it'd be a lot, and then Parker would be behind both. I'll stick. I'll skip Detroit for now. We'll talk about Hawkinson later, but let's say the Giants take Jalen Waddle. I've seen that mocked a lot. Waddle, see, Waddle's the one that I think would be the have the least impact because I think he's the gets the fewest catches, but he makes so many big plays, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So he wouldn't necessarily eat into the other production in terms of target share. It would be kind of interesting. Him and Galladay both could be high yards per catch guys, which could help. But all right, so Waddle goes to the Giants. How much Heath would it impact? Uh, Galladay and say Shepard. Galladay, not at all. I would have even less interest in Sterling Shepard. Makes sense. Yep. I Which would, I, would I don't have it. very much right now. And then Ev- how yeah. about Evan Ingram? I Ooh. he's not in my top eighteen tight ends. So <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, listen, the NFL draft is here, baby. The FFT crew is going to be live for all three days of the draft, breaking down the fantasy impact of the picks. So join Jamie, Dave Heath, NFL analysts like Pete Prisco and Ryan Wilson, former players like Brady Quinn and Bryant McFadden on Thursday, Friday and Saturday on the Fantasy Football Today YouTube channel. This is YouTube.com slash Fantasy Football Today. This is where you're going for your NFL draft coverage. Get your questions answered in the chat room and start your 2021 fantasy football prep early. And remember, everything is live. YouTube.com slash fantasy football today. Quickly, the news and notes here. Uh, Atlanta, So, yeah, Atlanta, they're listening to trade offers for Julio Jones. But their GM kind of said, eh, we'll listen to trade offers for anyone. But he was specifically asked about Julio Jones, who has a pretty onerous contract. Green Bay said Aaron Rodgers is their quarterback for the foreseeable future, and they're working on a contract extension. And let's see if you guys know this one. Green Bay has not selected a running back, wide receiver, or tight end in the first round since blank. No? Wait. (laughs) I feel like it's been a while. Adams wasn't a first-round pick. He was a second-round pick. Yeah, I don't know. Jordy wasn't a first-round pick, was he? No. I believe he was a second or a third. Aaron um, Rodgers? No, uh, not quarterback. No, they took Jordan, they took Jordan Love last year. So running back, wide receiver, tight end. You guys have 10 seconds. Yeah, I'm uh, drawing a blank, Adam. Javon Walker in 2002. Javon Walker. 2002. 
20 years. Almost. Yeah, that's almost 20 years since they took a running back, wide receiver, or tight end. Uh, Ryan Wilson helped me out here with his tweet, by the way. This could be the first time in 40 years at the NFL draft that a defensive player isn't among the first seven picks. And if it doesn't happen until pick nine, it'll be the latest defender, the latest that a defender was drafted since 1957 when the Chicago Cards took Jerry Tubbs at number 10. So number 10, 1957. Wow. All right, more news. Baker Mayfield. Oh, this is interesting, Dave. I know you've talked about this a lot. Baker Mayfield addressed mm. how he's been more he was more productive after the Beckham injury last year. He said where we were at before his injury happened and on an underthrown ball by me, we truly didn't have a true identity on offense at that point. It took our bye week, week 9, right in the middle of the season to really sit down and do a self-scout for us to grow. That's why we had the growth that we had from the first half to the second half of the year. I wouldn't say that it's because we weren't throwing to Beckham, so it's not about that. The narrative can be what it is, but we're looking forward to getting back to work together. Good for them. I don't think there are going to be many people that are going to be pumped to take Odell Beckham with a top 30 pick anymore. I think he's past that. And there will be people who are going to be excited to get him if he falls into round five. That that seems to be a, a safe place to draft him, knowing what the upside is. And the downside is bad. You don't want to throw away your fifth round pick, but way better than throwing away your second or third round pick. I feel like I've been getting him later than that. I'm going to just check his ADP. I feel like Galladay is kind of round five and Beckham's after that. What that th- should be the case. Let's see. But there will be Let's people see. who are looking for him in round five. Well, since yeah. April 1st on NFC, Kenny Galladay is round five slash six. He's 61st. Beckham is 81st. Oh, wow. I had him 86th, so. Overall, in your rankings, you have him 86th? Yeah. And that's without rookies, so he probably won't be in my top eight rounds. Interesting. Okay. Uh, that's about it. Seattle trying out running back Deontay Foreman, and Tom Pelissero of NFL Network says that running back Javante Williams out of UNC could be a surprise first-round pick. I wouldn't even consider it that much of a surprise. I've seen enough people that have Javante mm-hmm. Williams as their number one running back. So Just we'll see. so thankful the Chiefs trade out of the first round so they can't make that mistake again. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here on Fantasy Football today. We'll talk more about the veterans who have the most to gain or lose. We'll also read your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Remember, our next show is going to be a mailbag. Apple Podcast Reviews, please send them in. And your emails, again, that's fantasyfootball at cbsi, the letter I, dot com. We will be right back. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Well, as you are looking at your dynasty rosters or just getting ready for your drafts and you're wondering who's going to be affected the most by the NFL draft, keep in mind, here's some of the noteworthy teams and, and the types of draft picks they have, the capital they have on draft day. Houston does not have a first or a second round pick. Seattle has only three picks, second rounder, fourth rounder, and a seventh rounder. Obviously, everything's subject to change, can make some trades, but three picks for the Seahawks. Um, and that seems kind of significant to me, Heath, because... They're not probably going to throw that much based on everything we've seen. And I think I'd be pretty surprised if they added a wide receiver in the second round. Fourth round, seventh round, maybe. But I don't think they're going to be in that market. No, I don't anticipate them adding a wide receiver. Um, They've got two good ones. And I don't know if I'm willing to... Like, they need to make their defense better if they really don't want to throw that much. I'm not sure I've completely bought into the whole there's going to be a significant change in Seattle from their past pass run splits. 
Uh, Jacksonville and Miami are loaded with picks. They both have four in the top 50. Jacksonville has four in the top 45. Miami has four in the top 50. Um, I think, uh, the okay, so the Jets have two first-round picks. And so does California, it looks yeah, like. Yeah, who the hell did I be? The, 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 is it the Charger? No, oh, it's Baltimore. Okay. <laughs> I was to the, with the list of teams that have two first-round picks, and instead of B-A-L, I put C-A-L. So Baltimore has two first-round picks, 27 and 31. The Jets have two first-round picks and three top 34 picks. Arizona has uh, six picks. Why did I put That's not that many. Rounds one, two, five, six, and seven. So that's actually pretty significant. So in it's all likelihood, what's that? It's significant. I was going to say it's significant for those wondering what they're going to do with their run game. I think they might be done at that position and not add to it. And they're going to roll into the season with Edmonds and Connor. So maybe, maybe they trade out around one. They go the opposite direction of what some people think they're going to do. And that would give them more capital to go and get a running back if they really need one. But I, I think by signing Connor, they kind of signaled that that's their move at running back and they're going to address other positions. So chase and Connor going into 2021 in that backfield for Arizona. Kansas City has picks 58 and 63 in the second round, but they no longer have a first-round pick. And Minnesota is interesting. Is again, is a team that we we usually don't see them throw a lot. They did in the second half of the season, but you know what Mike Zimmer's MO is. They have the 14th pick, and everybody seems to think they're going with a pass rusher, maybe offensive line. Then their, their next pick is until 78. 14, 78, and 90. Those are their first three picks. So I think Minnesota's pretty interesting, uh, especially for Adam Thielen, right? You wouldn't want to see them draft a wide receiver uh, with what we saw Justin Jefferson do to Adam Thielen. Mike Zimmer's still the coach there, right? Yep. They're going cornerback. At 14? <laughs> That's what they do every year, it seems like. They take a cornerback with an early pick. Now, I'm, I'm kind of joking around because they got Patrick Peterson. I don't think they really need a corner, but... Go back and look at Zimmer's teams. He's he's gone crazy on cornerbacks early in drafts. All right, so then if we go position by position, players with the most to gain or lose, we'll pick up some of the names that we didn't mention earlier. Obviously, Burrow and Tua and Herbert. We talked about the year two quarterbacks. Um, Matt Ryan himself is really interesting. Is He played pretty well when he had both Julio and Ridley on the field last year. So if they add Kyle Pitts, let's say, or... Jamar Chase, and they keep Julio. Does he crack your top 12? Probably, because I you would, I would expect them to throw the ball a lot more. Yep. Okay. I, I think, like, the one the guy out of this list that we kind of left off, like, if you're talking most to gain or lose, I think it would probably be Cam Newton, because Cam Newton could lose his job on Thursday night with the Patriots trade up to that number four pick or a little bit higher and draft a quarterback. Also, the Patriots on Thursday night could go get him a good wide receiver, and he could have a good wide receiver and Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith and no threat to his playing time. And by the way, do you feel like this whole conversation that we're having today is going to be sort of overstated? Because typically yes. rookies don't do that much. You know, they, they just don't have that much of an impact. Sometimes they really do, but most of the time they don't. Except this class just feels different with Pitts and those at least those three wide receivers. But we had heard for a while this is a great wide receiver class. Um, so I don't know, Dave. Overall, are we kind of making something out of nothing? No, I, because well, we've really focused on those top three receivers and Pitts, and I think Heath was spot on with Cam Newton that there's there's really so much for him to gain or lose because he could get replaced or he could get help. Uh, for his offense. But I also think there's going to be a couple of teams that could use a, a second receiver that's an upgrade over what they have. Green Bay, for example. If they, if they get Bateman or Kadarius Toney to replace Alan Lazard or Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I think that helps their offense. I think it helps Aaron Rodgers. It makes Aaron Rodgers, you might feel a little bit better about taking him after the MVP year that he just surprised us with. Um, there could be a couple of other offenses where things happen that maybe make you a little nervous, like Buffalo. Let's say Buffalo, you know, they talked about they needed to improve their run game. Let's say that they just throw a bunch of picks together, they move up, and they draft Najee Harris. Well, that that tells you that Josh Allen's probably not going to be running as much, and they probably won't have him throw as much as he did last year. That would make me a little bit nervous to have him as my number two quarterback. And I would be a little nervous to have Najee Harris as, as a top 
12 to 15 ish running back because Josh Allen's there and Josh Allen could certainly take some touchdowns away from him. So there are definitely specific situations where if a team upgrades, it could help or hurt other players. But it, I, I feel like it's more specific about those teams and not necessarily so much about the players outside the top three receivers or tight ends outside of Kyle Pitts or any of the running backs. And I got to ask, if the Giants draft Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith and they've added Kenny Galladay and they've added Kyle Rudolph and they get Saquon Barkley back, where are you going to rank no. Daniel Jones? 19th. So right around there. Probably a little bit past there. Pat, later what does that mean? Earlier. Later. Later, later. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like I'd still rather I'd still rather throw the dart at Trevor Lawrence, Matthew oh, Stafford, sure. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, he'd be right there with Tua. Like if Tua Andy gets Dalton a or Daniel receiver, Jones. Oh, oh Daniel Jones. Jones. Come on. <laughs> what about you, Heath? What do you mean? What about you? Like that's you not a laughable I mean? question. I think it's no, it's I, I not. Daniel Jones has never been as good as Andy Dalton. I'm I'm looking for a quarterback that has a chance to get off to a good start if we're talking that late in the draft or if we're talking about a a, a number two quarterback for my two quarterback or super flex team. I will take Daniel Jones over Andy Dalton, but he will be closer to Andy Dalton than Trevor Lawrence for sure. Okay, running backs. James Robinson, Mike Davis, Benny Snell. But the Tampa Bay backfield too because I'm seeing all mock drafts that have Tampa Bay going with Travis Etienne or somebody like that. That would be a nightmare. Really, I, I would get why they would do it because that's a long-term play. And all their running backs right now are on short deals, or in the case of Keyshawn Vaughn, like, you know, mid-round rookie deal. So he's expendable anyway. So they could draft a running back for the future. And then like if they get Najee Harris, that would be a total nightmare because they wouldn't have they wouldn't be compelled to use him the same way the Steelers would use him. Because they've got Fournette and they've got Geo. And I, I would be I would actually be very surprised if the Bucks used their first pick on a running back. Well, I think this could move the other direction too, though. I, Ronald Jones has been a guy who there's been a little bit of buzz about possibly getting dealt, um, which would make sense since they brought back Leonard Fournette and had a Giovanni Bernard and said Keyshawn Vaughn's going to have a breakout year. It would be a boon to the Tampa Bay running backs if they didn't draft a running back, but they traded Ronald Jones for a fourth. And pro- might be a boon mm-hmm. to Ronald Jones too, depending on where he goes. So. What about uh, Miles Gaskin? Is there a scenario where the Dolphins take a running back and Miles Gaskin's his stock doesn't plummet? No, day three. Oh, sure. What about day two? What if it's in the third round? What if it's Kenneth Gainwell? You know, what if it's somebody, Khalil Herbert? I would bet on, like, the nice thing, and, and Jamie talked about this last year during the season, the Dolphins did not seem to care at all about name last year. Um, they just, whoever was playing the best. And I think that Miles Gaskin would be better than those guys. So I think he'd be okay if it was one of those guys. I guess I should take it back. If it's not one of the top five running backs, then I think that Gaskin could be okay. A guy they take third round, fourth round, something like that. I I agree. At least there'd be a chance for Gaskin to continue in that lead role. And we saw it from the Dolphins a lot last year, like a lot, a lot, where their, their number one running back played 60 plus percent of the snaps. I think it was seven or eight games last year where their lead back had 70 plus percent of the snaps. So a little bit different than what we were expecting because it's a Patriots type of coaching staff. They like to mix and match their backs. Maybe not so much. Maybe they have leaned enough on one guy. They've proven that they can be an offense where not necessarily a dominant workhorse, not like Derrick Henry, but someone who can still be good for 15 touches a week. Fantasy managers would like that. If the Dolphins did not spend an early round pick on a running back, Gaskin would be saved. Okay, uh, any other running backs you want to talk about, or shall we move on? How about Miles Sanders? There's been rumors that the Philadelphia Eagles could add another running back in round two or three. They've got three picks in those two rounds. They kept Boston Scott, but if they add another running back, then then our, our, our guy Miles Adam is going to struggle to ever see the potential that we saw in him once upon a time. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting like if they do that in round three, we'll say, because two would obviously have a different effect, but if they do that in round three and it's someone we kind of like, how do you rank Sanders, Montgomery, and Jacobs? Because they would have all kind of taken a hit. Yeah, so that's the thing. I mean, a, a round three running back, I'm not sure that we're, ena- I'm not enamored with this running back class. No, 
No, they're, they're flawed. Every single so one. So I don't even think. Even I, I don't Doug Peterson think... hasn't been enamored with giving a running back 20 touches either. Yeah, know, but, but he's not Doug the coach. Peterson isn't there anymore. anymore. Now That's we're, true. We're, we're That's there true. to. But, but and it, by the way, I you're wrong imagine, about you're, you're wrong about that. He made whether it was 20 touches. I just I can't wanted say. Adam to do this. Range, yes, you're wrong about that. Okay. He made he, Miles Sanders was the feature back. But I I wouldn't really be too scared of a third round running back, especially if it's a guy who's a who's more of a pass catcher. You know that could just fill the Boston Scott role. And in that case, right, I would that still takes I away from yeah, Miles Sanders. I wouldn't think Miles Sanders would necessarily be a 50 catch guy, but I still think. Um, He's no worse than a third round pick in fantasy. I wouldn't really be too scared by a third round by an NFL draft third round running back. No, I I agree. It's the difference between but Jacobs and Montgomery are currently third round picks. That's why I brought those two up. Yeah, right. They're all gonna go pretty similar. I think if I had a guess, I would say it would go, what do you think? Montgomery, Sanders, Jacobs. Right now. I think it depends. Oh, right on now format. I think it's Sanders for sure is first. You mm-hmm. think so? Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. Well, let's, I guess. Do I, I haven't have looked AD? at the ADP. I I've think been I have it up. And while you look that up. 2022 draft. <laughs> Just keep in mind where Nick Sirianni came from. You know, the guy is BFFs with Frank Reich, and Reich clearly liked having multiple running backs at his disposal every week. When, Much like when Taylor Peterson. got hot toward the end of the Shut year. Up. Lean on it. <laughs> what happened? He said, much like Doug Peterson. Miles uh, um, Sanders, 27th. Montgomery thirty one, Jacobs thirty five. So, I'm surprised that that Montgomery's getting that much love. I, I felt like people were going to be totally sour on Miles Sanders. I it just feels like it, the we shine might get to off. August and people are going to be sour on all three. I don't think it's really like I'm impressed with people. David Montgomery was a top what six running back last year, a top five running back last year. Mm, and yep. people aren't just pushing him up into the end of the first round. He's fallen two rounds from where last year's production deserved to go. Yeah, you're right. I agree. All right, let's go to wide receiver here. I got one more running. Oh, yeah, go ahead. You. Go ahead. Go ahead. Melvin Gordon, mm. who right now looks like someone that you'd be very happy to settle for as an as an RB2. But Denver, if, if they don't trade up for a quarterback, maybe if they trade back the other way because they can't get a quarterback. They get more capital. They add a young running back, and they need they need depth at that position. Um, Mike Boone, I don't think is is all that they're going to go into the season with behind Melvin Gordon. Do they not still have Royce Freeman? They do have Royce Freeman too. I don't know if that's a needle mover. Uh, okay, so let's go to wide receiver now. And we talked to Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay. Would you be bothered at all uh, by the, if the Packers took a wide receiver in round one? Would it affect Devontae Adams? No, I don't think it would change my value on Adams. I think it would change my value on Robert Tunyon. I know we're not at that point yet, but obviously it would be bad for MBS and Lazard. Okay. Adams has been amazing three straight years. 2019 didn't have a lot of touchdowns, but still was great when he played in 12 games. However, in the last three seasons, the Packers have not had a second receiver, tight end or wide receiver, whatever, get 700 yards or 90 targets. So just something to keep in mind. They they need they, they need to address that position. Um, do you think there's any chance the Cowboys at 10 take a wide receiver? More likely they take Pitts, right? They were linked to Pitts. They, they got out that they liked Pitts a lot. It just doesn't seem like Pitts will be there at 10. But... Yeah, if Pitts is there, I mean, I think they would take him. But I wouldn't rule out them taking a wide receiver, just saying best player available like they did last year. Well, how, how many years in a row can you do that when your defense is sloppy? <laughs> when you're Jerry Jones, I think you could, you could do it. Yeah, I think if they do that, you might have to like seriously consider Dak as QB2. Because uh, then the, the whole, they were on pace for 700 passes last year becomes a little bit more relevant. <laughs> yeah. Um, Marquise Brown. I got a big, big circle around Marquise Brown. I'm mm-hmm. ready to already say, ah, oh, big loser, Marquise Brown. What do you think? Ravens have two late first round picks. It's it's definitely in play where they add even an. Remember, they already brought in Sammy Watkins. Not that Watkins is going to like change a whole lot, but it's it's someone new that they think is an improvement over Willie Sneed. And if they add another rookie receiver, 
I, it almost depends on who it is. Like if it's Kadarius Tony, isn't that kind of the same receiver that they already have in Marquise Brown? I was if, it's Rashad, if it's Rashad Bateman, that's a different type of receiver. It's a physical outside guy that could that could probably hurt Mark Andrews more than it hurts Marquise Brown. Yeah, I, I I'm not probably going like Brown's a borderline number three only because of his upside and his potential. And I think he would still have that same upside and potential. They do like 175 pound wide receivers, and there's a bunch of them in that range of the draft. I did a lot of research on Brown this week, and it seemed to me that when 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 his his was when his A dot went down, he did better. And that happened in the second half of the year and into the playoffs. And he he also got utilized more in the red zone did a lot of crossing routes and over routes and stuff like that. And defenses just couldn't, there, there were no defensive backs that could hang with him. And Lamar Jackson, most of the time hit him right on the money. A couple of times he missed him a little. Um, but if, if they don't add anything, I think it helps him. Maybe he crawls back into that top 24 range. After all, there are going to be people who took him last year. They're going to go, Oh, I don't want him." But I think he could settle in anywhere from like 23 to 33 in wide receiver rankings based on what happens in the draft. He finished very strong, and the Ravens finished very strong. They went 5-1 and one in their last six games, and in those six games, he had six touchdowns and 338 yards. It's not a ton of yards, but I think you have to, you have to expect a high touchdown rate. That's what Lamar Jackson's done. Do you disagree with that, Heath? I know you're, you talk about that a lot. You but. have to expect a high touchdown rate, yes. Yeah. Um, there are limits, I wouldn't ever expect a player to score once every 10, like a 10% touchdown rate. That's, that's too high, even for somebody like Mark Andrews. But no, I think you should expect Marquise Brown to have a higher touchdown rate than a player of his other production would, would normally. Right. So these are his last eight games. This includes the postseason. He caught 65% of his targets, 14.4 yards per catch. His A dot was under 12 yards, 11.7. That's low for him. It was at 15 through the first 10 games of the season. And uh, six touchdowns, three from six yards or closer, which to me could make all the difference in the world. And when you think about the Ravens, when, when they get inside the five, what do you expect them to do? They're either going to hammer it with one of the running backs or Lamar Jackson's going to pull it back on an RPO and take it in himself. But he still had half of his touchdowns in those final eight games from close range. If that somehow manages to keep up, then he's got potential to be a very useful part of your fantasy squad. I'll give you the full numbers from those eight games. Well, I'll just, I'll multiply them by two, right? What he would have done in 16 games, last six regular season plus two postseason games, 74 catches, 1,068 yards, 12 touchdowns on 114 targets. Uh, So that's really good. And a very high touchdown rate, 12 touchdowns on 114 targets, which is Probably a little unrealistic, but still. Uh, 74 catches, over 1,000 yards, 12 touchdowns. That's what he did. That's what he was on pace for in his last eight games. Uh, I don't want to see them. If I have Marquise Brown... 16 game or 17 game 16 pace. game. Uh, I haven't, I'm not doing 17 game paces yet. But if I have Marquise Brown, I obviously don't want to see them add anyone. And I'll ask you guys about Mark Andrews in just a second. Are there any other wide receivers that you think could be impacted in this draft? <laughs> I mean, like if the Lions don't take a running back in the first two rounds, one of their receivers, a receiver in the first two rounds, one of their wide receivers almost has to get 110 targets. If they can stay healthy, sure. Um, And I guess like the one you would probably be most excited about would be Quintez Cephas just because he's young and could take a step in his second year. But that... Like they're going to, ha- we're going to have to draft a Lions wide receiver if they don't draft one. Yours would be Cephas. I think I would lean Cephas. Dave, yes. how about you? I'm not ready to lean in any direction. Come on, <laughs> lean. Receiving game, uh, maybe Tyrell, just because he's familiar with Anthony Lynn. He's healthy now. Maybe he stays that way. But this is a team that you look at and you figure they're going to play from behind, and then you look at their quarterback. And you figure he's not going to take a lot of chances with the football. He may not have as much time to take chances. Uh, as he would like. I think it directly helps DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson. I don't know if there's a receiver that I would, you know, you want to spend a late pick on Tyrell or Cephas, that's cool. Uh, but th- they've got to do something to start to rebuild their offense. Uh, no love they need, Perryman. They need to go out a slot receiver. 
And there's there's some there should be some excellent options in the second round. Yeah, where's, that's for sure. Where's the love for uh, for Brashad Perryman? Um. So since you did an Azer stat earlier, I have a new favorite Azer stat. What was it? What was my Azer stat? The uh, Marquis Brown. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, can I give my, can I just interrupt this entire programming since we're oh, yeah. an hour into the show now? Yeah, sure. Um, DeAndre Swift had 15 touches in five games last year. He averaged 20.8 PPR fantasy points per game. That would have tied him with Derek Henry for the number four running back. We're not done yet. His new offensive coordinator, Anthony Lynn has had five years in charge of an offensive and offense the past five years. His number one running back has averaged at least 17 touches every one of those years. Mm-hmm. You love DeAndre Swift. Yep. You love him. I mean, I how he, could you not after that step? It's pretty We've good. We've been talking it's about 70 good. catches for him. I, I think you got to think about now that there's 17 games, maybe he gets to 80 catches. Yep. He's got to stay healthy, but it's a perfect also, running back for that, for that, um, for that system. And for the scenarios that they're going to be in, because we figure they're going to either be in competitive games or playing from behind more often than not. His 17 game pace was 1,771. I don't care. I'm not interested in a 17 game pace. And 20 touchdowns. <laughs> 20 touchdowns. Yeah, the touchdowns were really strange for, for a Lions running back. Um, but if you look now, let's go to tight end. Hmm. Robert Tunyon. What? What was that? Nothing. Robert Tunyon in PPR finished third. TJ Hawkinson finished. Basically tied for third, one point behind Tunyon. He he Tunyon, Logan Thomas, and Hawkinson were all one point apart. Um Micah Sicky was seven. Oh, sorry, Mark Andrews was six, and Micah Sicky was seven. A lot of those names could be impacted by the NFL draft. Now, this is actually the best reminder. A year ago, the Raiders had selected the first wide receiver off the board, and then two more in the third round. They took three wide receivers in the first three rounds. And I think people thought that uh, Darren Waller was a loser. And it turns out Darren Waller is just better than all of them and had a great year. So with that said, Tunyon, Hawkinson, Andrews, we already talked about Kasicki, but those first three, Tunyon, Hawkinson, Andrews. Dave, how much is at stake for these three guys? I don't think there's as much at stake for Hawkinson as there is for for the other guys. And that's because the receiving core in Detroit, we just talked about who would you rather have between Tyrell Williams and Quintez Cephas and Brashad Perriman. Uh, those guys could all be relegated to the bench. If the lions draft, well, they can add, uh, if they stick in their spot at seven and they take a receiver there, doesn't matter to me with Hawkinson. What would matter to me is if another receiver that we liked a lot outside of the top three slipped to them in the second round, and they took that guy on top of the stud in the first round, then we might say, all right, Hawkinson could lose a little bit here because there could be decent enough. There's enough there in the receiving cupboard to take work away from Hawkinson. But that's what it'll take. They get Devontae Smith in the first round. I'm not going to blink an eyelash. I'll still have Hawkinson as a top five fantasy tight end. Yeah, I would. I think. Most of what Dave said, I would say the same thing, except I would just change TJ Hawkinson's name to Mark Andrews. Um, because I think it's not like Mark Andrews is in a different class, in my opinion, than these guys. He was behind them in fantasy points because he played two fewer games, but he was better on a per game basis and he was much better the year before. So I just, I think that even if the Ravens use the 27th or 29th pick on a wide receiver, Mark Andrews is their number one option as he has been. And um, I think Hawkinson probably stays in a relatively similar spot. I do worry a little bit that they will add a very good slot wide receiver because that could infringe on his territory a little bit um, it's over the middle of the field. But I, I'm probably going to have Mark Andrews fourth um, just because you guys shame me not to rank him where my projections say I should and TJ Hawkinson fifth even after the draft. But I bet that changes if the Lions only add one wide receiver and the Ravens, you know, they've got the two first round picks. Say they spend one of those picks on a wide receiver and it's it, it's someone who's more of a slot receiver and someone that pushes Sammy Watkins to play outside a little bit more often than maybe we thought it would. And then that receiver is infringing on Mark Andrews and maybe that receiver develops chemistry quickly with Lamar Jackson. It's a team that's already going to run a lot. 
I, I think there's a case to be made that if the Ravens, or maybe they get aggressive and they move up to get one of the better receivers in the draft, they've been known to draft Alabama guys in the past. Uh, if if they get aggressive or if they get a really good receiver, I think that could hurt Mark Andrews. I think he could send his stock down just a little bit, maybe enough to get past uh, Hawkinson and make him tight end five. And I think that's the difference is you guys, um, I think everybody here except for me, has Andrews and Hawkinson like pretty close. I've got Andrews projected to score 60 more fantasy points than TJ Hawkinson. So if Mark Andrews gets dinged 10%, 20%, 30%, he's still going to be ahead of TJ Hawkinson. Basically, what I've come to the conclusion of is is if Mark Andrews is a great player, he will probably not be impacted by a rookie wide receiver. So depends on the receiver. And we have more. My my still. thing is we have more evidence that Mark Andrews is a great player than we have that T.J. Hawkinson is. Yeah, Hawkinson really wasn't very good last year. I mean, he just he didn't do a lot with his 101 targets, 67 catches, 723 yards, and six touchdowns. Yeah, he was almost tied for third, but it was just a really bad year for. On the bright um, side, he has a worse quarterback now. I, he does, but on the bright side, Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay aren't there. I know Galladay only played yeah. four four games, but still. He may have a worse quarterback, but that quarterback's best games typically came uh, in the last season and a half when his tight end was doing good things. I'm looking at just where he would have finished. Eh, whatever, this is just a lot I want to be very clear. I like TJ Hawkinson. I'm not, yeah, this is not an anti-TJ Hawkinson thing. I just, I think there's a, the, the tear break is after Andrews and not before. Okay, so that's that's going to wrap up this discussion and looking forward to reacting to everything from the NFL draft. I do want to make sure we are saving time from e- for emails here. And I got to tell you about the all-new Stitcher podcast app. It has been rebuilt from the ground up to make it easier to listen to podcasts on the go or on the revamped web player. Stitcher is home to all your favorite podcasts from classics like My Favorite Murder, This American Life, and How Did This Get Made, plus all the CBS shows, Fantasy Football Today, Fantasy Baseball Today, Ion College Basketball, uh, all things covered, everything. Um, In Stitcher, you have more control, like setting your download preferences per show and the ability to listen at virtually any speed. With Stitcher, you can listen to your podcast anytime, anywhere. So give the all-new Stitcher a try. Download it in the App Store or at stitcherapp.com slash download. All right, stitcherapp.com slash download. I... Okay, do you guys want to do a uh, real quick debate for the emails? Ready? I'm going to give you 20 seconds each. We debated this yesterday. It was fun. Would you take Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase? Whoever your number one wide receiver is. If you're on the clock and you could have your choice of either one, would you take Kyle Pitts or your number one wide receiver? Do I have to start a tight end? Oh, no, I'm sorry. This is, you're an NFL draft team. You're the Falcons at four, whatever. You have the fourth pick. Kyle Pitts or whoever your number one wide receiver is. I think it depends on how badly I need a wide receiver. If I need a wide receiver, you are a really bad franchise. You need everything. Chase. I think I'm taking chase. I think he's safer. Yeah, I win. Thank you guys. Fantasy. Who who told you otherwise? Well, Jamie was doing that thing that he does with me where he wasn't necessarily saying he'd take pits. He was just refuting every point I made about why I'd take Chase. So it was a day that ended it with a why, is what you're saying. Yeah, basically. Uh, but yeah, I think it's basically the question is, would you rather have Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey? And I, I'd rather have Tyreek Hill, which is what Emery said, right? That's what we were talking about this with him the other day. Okay, emails. Dave says... I'm in hi. a hi Dave. I'm in a PPR league, one quarterback. I don't have to start a tight end. I have the sixth pick and the ninth pick in the rookie draft. My team is pretty loaded, so I can take the best available player. I suspect Kyle Pitts will be available to me, but where would you rank him amongst the wide receivers? Because they have a tight end slash wide receiver roster spot. Would you take him over more Bateman, et cetera, in this type of league? Yes. Yep. But you wouldn't take him over one of the first three. I would take him sixth in this particular type of league. I think I have him fourth or fifth in my rankings, but there's, a, in my opinion, a pretty big teardrop after the sixth pick. So I would take him sixth. So give and me, this the, goes give me the other the... players. Sorry, who would you take ahead of him? Sure. Um, I think it's the same exact guys that Dave has talked about, but it's the two running backs, Harris and ETN. It is the three running backs, Chase, and Waddle and Devontae Smith, and then Kyle Pitts is the sixth. But he's in this format. 
You're having a lot of trouble with running backs and wide receivers today. The three wide receivers. <laughs> now, what Have if I Javon, said running back instead yeah. of wide receiver a couple times? What if okay. Javante Williams? What if Javante Williams ends up going to the Steelers or something? Then he'd be in the mix. You'd have to consider yeah. it. Is that a good situation? I think there's a chance for it to be a very good situation, and that's what you're you're betting on is the upside. All right, this is from Tim. Grade the dynasty trade. Ten teams, one quarterback. Give up C.D. Lamb and 201 for Ridley and Cooper. I still have the first pick in the draft and 206 and 207. So give up Lamb and 201 for Ridley and Cooper. Yeah, I like uh, it. I like yeah, getting Coop- Ridley and Cooper. For sure. Like, I'd rather have Ridley than Lamb and 201. So do it. Do it. Here's the question. Would you rather have Cooper or 201? Just separately. 11th pick in this draft. Cooper or that pick? Cooper. Cooper. All right. This is an A. We're grading it, of course. This is from Jason. I'd rather have Cooper than 107. Would you really? I don't think I agree with you there. You just named six, seven players. I named six. Cooper? Yeah, but then we said maybe Javante Williams. It's Javante Williams. And you didn't say Trevor Lawrence. Bateman. Trevor it, Lawrence. I would take yeah. Cooper over Lawrence and Javante Williams. Okay. I don't think I'm... I, I Again, it, it comes down to how badly you need a quarterback. There's qualifiers to all these questions. All right, this there's is from, a case to be made where Jason. Pitts is the number one pick in a dynasty rookie-only draft. You tight end premium, or you start a tight end, or you're good at receiver and running back, you go get Pitts. Jason is from where, Dave? Orange, Florida. Dear Mookie, Daryl, Keith, and Gary. Okay, he's obviously a New 86 Yorker. Mets. Yeah, he's a Mets. 12-team Superflex PPR. I have Deshaun Watson and Cam Newton. I need a quarterback badly. I have the last pick in the rookie draft, 112. I won the league last year. Tyrod Taylor is sitting there. Would I be nuts to take Tyrod at the 112, or should I draft a rookie and take a chance? Tyrod, and take a chance that Tyrod will be there at 212. Tyrod, of course, Deshaun no, Watson's you- back up now with Houston. If there's a one of the five rookie quarterbacks there, because it's a super flex, they might not all make it there to 12. But if one's there, you've got to take the shot on that quarterback. You need help. I would not take Tyrod until 212. I think he's fine at 212. This is from Dan. Dan is from? Uh, Dan is from Muncie, Indiana. What does the 2022 class... Oh, we already answered this one. <laughs> what does the 2022 class look like in comparison to the 2021 class? I'm I'm guessing it's going to be where I looked at a mock draft this morning for what it's worth, and it was a lot of defensive players. So when you're talking about an NFL draft that has potentially the first ten picks or so or eleven are going to be offense, obviously that says something about a weak defensive class. But I also think strong offensive class. I I would want to be in the 2021 class personally, but it's tough. It's tough to answer that. Again, I I like I I think it probably won't be as strong at the top, and it may be better deep. So. Okay. Uh, this is from Eric from a town in Maine. Augusta. Hey, Jordan, Julian, Alex, Jason, and Philip. Eh, I have no idea. These feel like quarterbacks to me. 10 team half PPR, uh, 0.2 points per carry, 0.4 points for, per return yard. These might be players who retired this year. Edelman, Alex Smith, and Phillip Rivers retired. Is there a Jordan that retired this year? No? Nothing? I don't know. Hello? Yeah, I'm thinking. Podcast going on? And a Jason. I don't know. All right, uh, 10-team league. There's funky scoring. We can keep two players each for one round higher. Then we drafted, and we can keep them a total of two times. Who would you keep? Kittle in the 12th, last year to keep him. Michael Thomas in the 10th, last year to keep him. J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers uh, in the... in the Oh, Jason Witten, good call, Shraggy B. Mm. J.K. Dobbins and Cam Akers in the 14th round, you can keep for two more years. Harris in the 14th round, keep for two more years. Gaskin in the 14th round, keep for two more years. And Jordan, Jordan Reed. Reed. Good job, Jordan Reed. All right, anyway, who are you keeping? Akers. Akers and Dobbins, no? 
I'd be tempted to go Acres and Kittle, but um, that's what I'd be tempted to do. It is 0.2 yard, 0.2 points per carry and 0.5 per catch. All right, well, definitely Acres and then either Dobbins or Kittle. Thank you, Eric from a town in Maine. Thank Eric. you, Ethan Dave. Eric. Thank you, Heath and Dave. Thank you, Ben Schrager, for figuring out those retired players before Heath could. Win for Schrager. We'll talk to you. When's our next show, Ben? Tomorrow afternoon. Mailbag. And when's it airing? Uh, 4 p.m. Eastern. Okay. So Wednesday afternoon, mailbag, Apple Podcasts, emails. We'll talk to you then. Don't forget to watch YouTube.com slash Fantasy Football today for the entire NFL draft. And we will have recap podcast episodes right after the action on day one, two, and three. See ya. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.